welcome to another episode of the BT Podcast. The best part of life is football and the best part of football is FPL. In this pod, we talk our hearts out about the latter and a bit about the former. Hi, I am Pratish. Hi, I'm Siddharth. And today what we have in store for you, ladies and gents, is a review of the game week that went by. And we want to ponder about something, have a little chatter about something where we want to discuss what is better for your team, better centre-backs or attacking full-backs. So let's get into it. How was your game week, Pritish? I played my wildcard and uh, I had a fairly decent uh, game week. After game week one, this was a game week in which I got a green arrow. So I'm quite happy about that. I got around 75 points. Um, Saar came in good for me. Bamford gave me an assist. Rudiger gave me a clean sheet and he scored a goal. And uh, yeah, and I, I also got one bonus point for a, from a non-scoring Gilmore, which almost feels like a big thing to happen. Uh, so I got around 75 points, but yeah, nowhere close to the way your team performed, even without a wild card. So tell us about that, Sada. That's that's an impressive game week. Um, and yeah, I had a, a very good game week myself. I chose not to wild card. There was something that I planned for this game week last week. And uh, I just wanted to go through with that and see where I stood. So I stuck to my guns. And I had a transfer that I banked in for this game week. So I went through and did that. I got Ismaili Asar for uh, Bruno Fernandes. And I then let go of Antonio, who was serving a one-match man, and got Cristiano Ronaldo. And what a call that was. I had a fantastic game week. I scored a good 91 and a big green arrow for myself. So I'm overall very happy with the fact that um, I made sure I stuck to my guns and saw my vision through. This is what I wanted for this game week. I had a very lackluster game week, uh, game week four. So at least I feel that uh, it wasn't all in vain. So yeah, a very, very good game week for me. And any plans on the wildcard? Are you going to take it by the year? Um, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm keeping it in my back pocket. I do not want to use it uh, for the time being. So, yeah, I mean, unless something drastic happens, I have two uh, orange um, orange arrows in my in my squad wherein uh, we don't know what's happening with Trent Alexander-Arnold and we do not know what's happening with Rafinha. So, unless both of them do not recover from their illness and injury, respectively, I will have to consider because that will be a lot of moves for, myself, for my team. So, I want to uh, see what the managers say on Friday. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing exactly what you said, playing it by ear. Super, super. So, let's start with our review of uh, the matches which went by. Um, why don't you start with the first game, which is Newcastle-Leeds. Newcastle-Leeds. That was a good, that was a good game. Um, Friday night kickoff. I, I always get excited when there's a Friday night kickoff because, you know, the weekend's upon us. It's a Friday night. Although it's really late here in India, but it's it's fun watching that game, you know. Somehow I really enjoy it. And Newcastle is a team I have a very soft spot for, uh, as our listeners might know. So, yeah, let's start with that. 
uh, Saint Maximin is too good for Newcastle. I, I I really think he's a fantastic footballer. What a strike he had, and he could have easily scored again um, if it wasn't for a good save from Melier. So yeah, he he was fantastic. Uh, I don't think they missed Wilson as much. Only that they should have, uh, you know, finished their chances. Something is off about Leeds. I felt that you know um, they are not their Leeds from last year. They're a shadow of themselves, given how well they did last season. So I'm a little worried about Leeds. Having said that, I think Rafinha delivered, and he could have easily had two goals. I'm a little anxious about his injury. Bielsa says it's his hip, so let's wait and watch as to what happens with that. And I definitely think uh, he's Leeds' best player. Bamford again, he blanked. Although he do he does have a good uh, run of fixtures coming up, but I'm I'm still clueless about one thing with the Leeds team. That is, I don't know who's on pens for them. So um, I'm still the verdict is still out in that, and I'm. I'm not very keen on many Leeds assets for my team besides Rafinha, who I already own. So I think Bamford had an assist in this game, uh, although very, very uh, dodgy assist. But he had an assist in this game. And, yeah, sorry, uh, I, I I missed that, and I don't think that was that was not really an assist. But yeah, dodgy is the right word. Yeah, and I know it because I had Bamford, or else I would have missed it too. And I think uh, last season he took almost all the pens for. Uh, uh, leads except for the first few which Click uh, had taken and post that even with Click on the field Bamford was taking penalties for Leeds so unless something has changed since then it's safe to assume that Bamford will be on penalties for Leeds That's good information I mean then I will probably you know I'll probably think about him coming in for rings because uh... I'm I'm still a wait and watch for me, but I would like to double up on Leeds because the only because their fixtures look so so nice, and I think uh, Leeds is one team which relies heavily on their fixtures. So that's something I definitely want to look 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 into. Moving on, let's talk about Wolves versus Brentford. Would you want to yeah. take that? Yeah. So I mean, it was the entire narrative about Wolves' defense got flipped on its head in this game. Um, they were completely dominated by Brentford. In the Brentford team, as was expected, post their promotion, Tony is the clear talisman. He's the talisman not only in terms of FPL, but even in uh, IRL, in real life, the way the team plays. He has a very important role to play. I think uh, there is a very high possibility that after these three tough fixtures, um, I have a feeling that Tony and Mbumo will end up becoming the Wilson Fraser of, uh, I think, three seasons back. Uh, that between the two of them, they will create a lot of assists and goals. And uh, I think both of them combined will cost you less than 12 million. So it might be a good combination to own and it will be quite the differential going forward. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Wolves looked horrible. Uh, Semedo had no attacking opportunities. On my wildcard, I went with Semedo and Marsal because I was confused which of the two to have. And both were bad in this match. Marcel so you, so you, doubled up, you doubled up on uh, Wolves' defence and uh, that's really sad and fortunate for you. Yeah, I doubled up keeping in mind that by game week 8, I want one City defender. And if I double up, then 
in these next three games, it'll be clear who to remove. And uh, now, I mean, it's quite evident that Marshall is the guy I would like to remove. Um, and let's see, tonight's game will also give us some clarity on whether Bruno Lage is going to revert to his back four system or not. Because if that happens, then high possibility of Ait Nuri replacing Marshall. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, Raya might be the 4.5 steal of the season in terms of goalkeepers. He is now at 4.6, which is still very, very cheap. And uh, if you have an extra transfer, which you don't know what to do with, or if you are playing the wild card, I would highly recommend going with Raya as your goalkeeper. Um, Over Sanchez? Yeah, I have a point for Sanchez, which I will cover in the Brighton match review. Um, so there is a way out for that. All right, then. Let's move on. Um, I'm going to take up the Burnley versus Arsenal game. And um, I know this for a fact that a lot of Arsenal fans were not happy with Aaron Ramsdale coming to their squad and being the number one. Although they had lost patience with uh, Bernd Leno, but they were not very happy with the way Ramsdale was bought, especially after they sold um, Emi Martinez last season to Aston Villa. And um, I don't see, I don't see why were they unhappy because he's a good goalkeeper, and I, and based on the last few games that he started for Arsenal, I think he's starting to prove a lot of people wrong because he single-handedly kept them in the game. Although they did take the lead with Martin Odegaard's free kick. And uh, there was nothing else besides uh, that free kick that was uh, going on for the Arsenal attack, which is still very young. And uh, they still have a very uh, underwhelming Aubameyang spearheading that attack. And which is a very, very sad thing to watch, uh, being a big Aubameyang fan myself. So, yeah, uh, I think he was their man of the match. And he is... Uh, their number one currently, and I think he's completely dethroned Mont Leno. They should be happy about him. Um, Burnley might go down if I if I'm to be honest with you. I don't I don't see them doing very well this season, and I think this is the season where they will uh, part ways with Sean Dyche because I think he served his purpose. Um, I think it's gotten a little stale that marriage between Sean Dyche and Burnley. Uh, long way to go though, but I, I have this feeling that they might go down. Um, Arsenal attack was wasteful besides uh, the goal they scored, which was from a free kick. Aubameyang was wasteful. Uh, Pepe needs to show more for a spot in a lot of people's uh, FPL squads. I also think um, White got lucky. He made a huge mistake uh, seven minutes over the hour mark where he made a terrible back pass to Ramsdale and they almost got a penalty for that. He gave away a penalty for that. So, yeah... Um, Arteta is on thin ice and the defence is their only positive light this season. I think Sean Dyche, either he's already signed or uh, he's about to sign an extension with Burnley as their coach. So, God alone knows what's happening with that team. I mean, I really have no idea what's happening. Maybe there's no one besides Sean Dyche who's interested in coming to Burnley. That's also quite possible. I have a thought about that. I mean, now that I learned this from you, well, uh, this is news that, you know, he's about to sign a contract extension. If that's true, then I think maybe they're preparing for life where they want to go back down to the championship and then maybe try and bounce right back up. Maybe that's what the, that's the shake-up they're looking at. 
um i don't know i mean it's a little strange for me so yeah that's that's an odd that's an odd one mm-hmm. they are quite possible i agree so moving on to liverpool uh, crystal palace um, i think first off i need to say that the scoreline did not does not do any justice to the way crystal palace played they were really good they really put their heart and soul into the game they didn't play in a ultra defensive pack players like sardines in the box because you are at anfield style which uh, crystal palace used to play under roy hodgson each time he came to liverpool uh, this was a very different crystal palace they were very attacking they were very forward gallagher though he didn't get touches in the box his positioning was really 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 tasty and that's a player to keep an eye out for sala is doing sala things and he's doing it better so there was a stat i came across which really blew my head um, after five games sala has more points than the points he had in the season where he broke the record of 300 points in uh, fpl sala has improved massively god alone knows how has he managed to improve given that he anyway was a brilliant player so that's something great happening pa suddenly went missing i don't think it's something to worry about a lot if you have him just hold on to him even if you play a wild card please do not remove pa because then bringing him back will be very difficult he's a 7 point he's the most reliable 7.5 midfielder he's not a defender he's the most reliable 7.5 midfielder treat him like that keep him in your team jota missed a goal which was it was almost like uh, if there were points for i think he should be given points for missing a goal which was so difficult to miss um, so it, he jota does jota things and uh, i have a dirty feeling that uh, everyone will drop him after the brentford game and he will score against city i don't know why i have this extremely dirty feeling because that's the kind of things which jota does uh, if I you have i also heard that for me that that fominio is back right isn't he in contention very soon he still is around 2 uh, to 3 weeks away he has started light training uh, as per james pierce from the athletic uh, having said that unless fominio starts uh, starts appearing in the lineup in the starting lineup Uh, just stick to jota he can do things even in 30 minutes to 60 minutes and to be honest uh, there isn't a world of options available in that 7.5 range right now in the midfield so unless you're moving down to a sar uh, or if you're moving down to a rafinha post his injury doesn't really make sense to waste a transfer out there um and uh, another thing i think goeta is also another goalkeeper who's one must keep their eye out for especially people who are planning to go on a wild card having said that i would prefer michel for uh, the crystal palace defensive cover he seems to be quite attacking and uh, even before the season he had said that patrick vieira has given him permission to uh, go and attack and he expects him to score goals and i think um, he will end up getting a few through the season So he's a good four point five uh, defender for you in your eyes. Yes, better than Mars. All right, all right. 
All right, that's interesting. I think you've really written off Marcel, right? After the after the game week he's given you. Fair enough. Fair enough, though. So yeah, that was uh, a a good game uh, for Liverpool and um, great three points for them. Let's move on and talk about Manchester City versus Southampton. This was a shocker, wasn't it? Especially given how Manchester City, you know, absolutely disregard an opposition like Southampton and give them such heavy defeats with utter disdain. I was quite surprised that it was a nil-nil draw. And um, I remember catching the last few minutes of this game live, which is about the last 10-15 minutes. And I and I kept thinking to myself, is Livra Mento really going to keep a clean sheet here? Because I know how many people have got him in, got him in, in, in their squads. And uh, he's actually on a four, he's, he's earned a price rise now. He's, a four, he's at 4.2 as we speak. And record this board. So it just shows how good he's been. And it also shows that uh, Hansen Hootel has uh, a lot more in his armory than, you know, we thought he might. And a lot of people had written off Southampton and said that they will go down. I don't think they will. It was, again, a game where there was lots of chances, lots of possessions per usual for Manchester City. But they did not get the back of the net. And they, I, honestly, for large periods of that game, when I saw the game again, uh, they 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 had their chances, but I never thought they were going to get it at the back of the net. Uh, there was this one chance that I know that uh, Gabriel Jesus, who's now uh, you know operating at the uh, from right wing, he had a very good cross which uh, missed uh, Bernardo Silva's boot by a few inches. And besides that, I don't think anything comes to mind. Um, VAR had a big uh, part to play in this game. It came to the rescue for both teams. So I would say it was a fair result. Um, there was an offside goal for City really late in the game. And uh, also had John Moss's decision to, you know, award that penalty uh, for Kyle Walker's foul and giving him a red card not been overturned. I think uh, they would have easily lost that game. So it worked both ways. Um, a little tidbit here is that uh, Kevin De Bruyne is back and uh, played full 90 minutes midweek against Wycombe. Uh, Foden's back as well. Torres played that game and he scored. He was one of the scorers. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a few things to look into the City squad. I, again, I'm not very convinced about Manchester City assets. So, the only... If I had to, and I absolutely had to, you know, someone put a gun to my head and said that you have to have one Manchester City player, the only player I would get right now is Edison because I know he's a replaceable. So, yeah, that was that was uh, that game for me. A shock. I, I feel that given the toothless attack at present, uh, Pep is focusing a lot on their defence. Uh, do you think so? Yeah, the, the defence is strong. Even the underlying stats are very promising. Uh, it's it's typical though, right? They keep the ball so much that uh, they don't they don't have to defend as much. And uh, even though Nathan, Nathan Ake, there are so many injuries in, at the back, and Nathan Ake was a fantastic option to have. Uh, left-footed, left centre back, he played really well. I'm a big fan of Nathan Ake's, and uh, my condolences to him. He, he lost his father very recently, uh, and uh, he gave a very good performance. I thought he played really well. So, yeah, that's the one thing that is going on for uh, the Man City defence. Uh, I did say uh, that Edison was the one player you should get. But, you know, there's another player that they have who hasn't 
look like is going to be displaced very soon, and that is uh, Cancelo. A lot of people are talking about Cancelo being a mainstay in the defense. So that's another player to keep a lookout for. Fair enough. So next up, we have Norwich Watford. Um, Saar looked really sharp. Uh, he's been looking sharp in all fairness. If you do the uh, eye test, if you go by the eye test, Saar has, Saar has been occupying advanced positions on the corner of the, at the corner of the box for most of the matches so far. But what really set this match apart was that he had four big chances in this game, which is more than the total of big chances he had in the four games before this. So it was definitely his day. And I have a feeling that Watford is quite clear that against the minnows, against the weaker teams, uh, they are going to attack. They are not going to defend. Uh, I mean, I the way they went for... And it's, it's the way they look at teams. It's not about how teams are in real life. It's what they deem a team to be. So I they, this game against Norwich reminded me of the Aston Villa game. Uh, after the Aston Villa game, this was the second time that Watford looked so lively and so dangerous. Pookie scored a goal. And I still feel that if you need the funds, then at 5.9, he's a great player to own. Um, I... I I'm repeating myself. I think I've said this in a pod earlier that 90 to 95% of his goals, he's a 10 to 11 uh, goal scoring player. Uh, he will get eight to nine goals in this upcoming run of easy games. And uh, it's a nice time to own him if you want to use your funds elsewhere. Talking about funds, King is also a decent guy to own. At 5.5, he seems to be the starting striker for Watford. A lot of people are moving to Dennis, but Dennis is already at 5.3. And by paying 0.2 more, we're going to get a fixed striker for a team who's going to start every uh, every uh, game. And uh, Juan Pedro is back, which means that uh, Dennis's days uh, and minutes will get challenged very soon. Fair enough. That's a good point. Although I just want to you know, talk about uh, Timu Puki here and uh, how well he did last season. And I know you said this, that he's going to score a lot of goals um, said, in the said, next few fixtures. I said 10 to 11 yeah. goals in a season. And the that's next... fair. I mean, that's a, good, that's a good output for someone who costs 5.9. But um, what I also think is, and I said it as a joke to somebody very recently, that Norwich look nailed on to lose all 38 games. They are, they are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. And I'm, I'm really sorry. I feel bad for them. I shouldn't be saying this. I don't, I don't mean it uh, in a cocky way. I just feel like they, I don't see anything about them. They're, they're going down for sure. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure their fans feel the same way. So, yeah. And if, if there is Timo Puki, I have Ivan Tony in my squad. And you touched upon the Brentford-Watford uh, game uh, earlier. And I wanted to say this, uh, that I read this somewhere where a lot of Brentford fans think that he's the Didier Drogba of their squad. He's he's such a key figure. And if I really have him, then I don't think I want to go down and get Timo Puki because even in his difficult fixtures that are coming up, I feel he I feel he will definitely outscore Timo Puki. Big call, one, I think. But yeah, I think that, one, more player, one more player to be uh, taken into consideration uh, in that price bracket is uh, Adam Armstrong from uh, Southampton. He's a player I've been noticing in all the games, and he is dangerous. He's definitely dangerous. And he's taken. Last... He's taken to the Premier League. He has. He's definitely taken to the Premier League. That's a good point. 
and he's playing a more advanced role than Tony. At this point, it just seems like Tony's returns are highly dependent on Mbomo. Uh, Adam Armstrong, not as much. Yeah, that that I could do. That I could definitely look into. Um, so yeah, that that was a good that was a good uh, analysis for that game. Uh, let's move on and speak about Aston Villa versus Everton. Bekovic started that game. He is my second goalkeeper, and I, if I am to believe this, I think uh, he might start the next couple of games as well. And they have a very easy fixture coming up, right? So I'm definitely going to play him in my first team. Um, he did keep them in the game during the first half, made some key saves, and he looked good. But I don't know. It was as if Villa turned a switch off. Turned a switch and you know, turned a corner, turned a leaf, and they came out all guns blazing in the second half. Switch called Bailey. Yeah, that 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 Leon Bailey, right? That the Jamaican, he is he is a fantastic footballer. He has all the speed, wand of a left foot. What a player! I was mighty impressed by him. He was someone I spoke to you uh, off record that you know he's someone you should keep your eye out for, and uh, I feel good because. I have been following him for a long time, as Chelsea has been following him for a long time, and he was uh, on our radar for a while. Uh, it's sad that he got injured, though, right? Because he was playing really well. He played a key part in uh, not only just the, in the in the way he scored his goal, uh, but also the the corner that he took for Luca Dean to head it into his own net. Uh, I feel bad for Dean owners, though. I mean, uh, Rafa Benitez, who is usually a very defensive manager has not been able to keep clean sheets and Luca Dean's lost his sheen because he doesn't even appear. I think he's he's stuck midway somewhere. He's not defending. He's not attacking as much. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling bad for Luca Dean and, and, and his owners. Uh, Ings did return, but his a lot of players have shipped him out. So, that resulting in a price drop for him today already. So, yeah, I think uh, I might want to move on from him as well. Good, good. Thanks. Um... Next up, we have Brighton-Leicester. Um, there's a lot of buzz going around for Kukurella, the new left wing-back at Brighton. Uh, they I called say, him uh, a younger Marcos Alonso at one point. Yes, I would not uh, buy the hype yet. He's everything said and done. He's a 5.0 defender for Brighton. I am not going to buy into the hype so soon. Especially when there are players like Duffy at 4.2, 4.3 available. Uh, Mope has been trickling quietly. He's a player we've been calling out consistently since the beginning of our pod. Uh, I checked up and he's only two points behind Tony and he has played one lesser game. So if you had Mope and he was subbed out in one of the games, I think in one game he got injured and he played half of it and the sec- next game he missed out completely. So even if he missed out completely and someone from your bench came on, he's actually managed to match Tony in number of points. So that is something interesting and he's going completely below the radar. Duffy, I think, has found his spot in the team. Um, I don't think there is any need to overthink about his uh, position in the team right now. In fact, uh, if you have a wild card, I would say it's Good to have Raya in goal. This is answering your previous questions, Rath. And bring Duffy in the defense. Uh, Raya is definitely going to get 
more safe points than Sanchez. Sanchez is there just for the plain vanilla six points for a clean sheet. Raya will end up getting safe points against tougher teams. And Duffy is a at 4.2. He's cheaper than Sanchez and he gives you a better uh, chance at getting some kind of attacking returns too. So I think that's the kind of combination I would have gone for maybe if I was doing my wildcard in game week 8 or game week 7. Um, Interesting. Uh, Vardy is a decent guy if you want a differential and for some reason can't reach Lukaku or Ronaldo or if you have one of them. I don't know. And there might be some strange circumstance for some FPL player out there. But Vardy seems to be the kind of player who will keep trickling in the near future. And he is also on pens and he is the, the only reliable thing in the Leicester team right now is Vardy. I know, I know Leicester fans. I know somebody who's a big Vardy fan, and he, he says to me, uh, a very dear friend uh, of mine, a brother of mine, who says Vardy is inevitable, and I'm I'm starting to believe he's right. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Talking about being inevitable, I can feel it in my bones that Barnes is now going to hit form. Uh, there's something about the way he's playing. He's hitting the pole. Yesterday, he managed to score a goal uh, midweek, I think, and uh, I don't know. Yesterday or maybe the week before, that he's there's something about Barnes which just feels like it's he's going to click now. And it's simmering, that, right? He's he's on the edge. Yeah, yeah, he's on the edge, and uh, it might be a good time to bring him in. He will be an insane differential. Um, if you have a, if you if the rest of your team is fine, and if you want to take a punt, go for Barnes. I would not hold it against anyone who goes for Barnes. I have a few problems at my end. I have to bring in Antonio or else I would have definitely gone for Barnes and I would have followed my own advice. And just take, digressing a little bit, Sid, I think the two of us need to do that. We need to follow our own advice. Uh, we kept talking about the weak left side of Norwich. And uh, on my wildcard, I was very close to not bringing in Saar and I did bringing him, bring him in because of that. And I think we spoke and you said that for you also, that was one of the uh, key reasons for bringing in Saar. Uh, the fact that we identified yeah, the weakness in the left side of the team. So you I, saw a chink, a, a very glaring chink in their armor. And I was like, you know what? He said it and he said it with such conviction. It, it's only fair that I get him in. And, I, and we, were, we were rewarded, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were rewarded and how. So I think I think Barnes might be that guy to look at. And I think their run is also decent. Leicester defense, I would not touch with a six feet barge pole right now. There is something wrong with them. And uh, um, Raj needs to figure out what to do. Uh, next up, we have West Ham Man United. It was one of the liveliest games of the week, if that's something to uh, hold up. Um, Without Antonio in the team, uh, West Ham was able to score one goal, which speaks uh, doesn't speak as highly about West Ham's attack as much as it speaks uh, in a it it reflects a poor light on the uh, Man United defense. The defense has not been up to the mark, and uh, it is it is a little scary and. You know, from a footballing point of view, it just goes on to show how important it is to have that shield in front of the back line, which is the CDM. 
they have Varan. They have yeah, the team. Their team. Their team is a donor. Their midfield is a absolute shambles. Yeah, they needed I, I, they needed to invest in a in a in the CDM or a more defensive minded uh, midfielder. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Scott McTominay, but I I I think he, you need something like an upgrade on him. Yeah, and I love the metaphor you use of a donut uh, or the simile. I'm sorry, Ren and Martin. I'm not sure, but uh, it's one of the two, and I it it just makes so much sense in in regard to Manchester United. Ronaldo is a greedy, greedy, greedy boy who just does not like to share anything. Since he's come into the team, he's had 12 shots on goal and the second closest player in terms of shots on goal is guess who? It's Maguire with two shots on goal. Okay, And those are the chances he's got on set pieces, I think. And uh, if there is anyone you're looking for in the attacking role, go for Ronaldo. Uh, if you have Green, Greenwood and Bruno, please get rid of them. Uh, having said that, Pogba is a player I'm keenly keeping an eye on. If he locks in his spot as a left winger, maybe for United, then he's a guy I would like to hop on to once their run shifts and they go on this insane run starting game week 15. Um, yeah, that's that's that. Those are the things which I have noticed. And for people who are, uh, this might be a good segue for you also, Sid, for your next team. Uh, for people who are thinking of removing Ronaldo for Lukaku in game week seven or game week eight, I don't think it's a pressing uh, need at the point. Uh, I have a strong feeling that uh, Ronaldo will keep trickling. And if you have two Chelsea defenders, you might be able to cover Lukaku's points. Well said. That, that's well said. Um, yeah, Ronaldo is greedy, right? I mean, that that's what makes him more attractive as an FPL asset. Um, even though he's 12.6 already, I, and I'm glad I have him now. I'm a Ronaldo owner, and I don't uh, see the need to get rid of him. Um, Chelsea defence is pretty solid, and uh, the Tottenham versus Chelsea game, a London derby, one of the one of the few games that makes me really nervous as a Chelsea fan because I hate losing Tottenham. I hate when Chelsea have to drop points uh, against Tottenham. And uh, yeah, it was uh, three heart lane again for us, and I'm so glad that it was that. It was a game of two halves, literally. Uh, Nuno showed some good tactics by adding an extra midfielder and negating our midfield duo of Kovacic and Jorginho. I think he did really well doing that. Um, and Dombele is a good player. I'm a big fan of his. and I, I think he played really well. Um, to be honest, Spurs looked the better team for the first 30-odd minutes. Son and Kane, though, were not a threat. And, you know, I think Kane's head is... I mean, I agree that he doesn't start well traditionally, but I think he's still reeling from a failed move to Manchester City the summer that went by. And, uh, you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't see it coming for him. On the other hand, in the second half, Thomas Tuchel showed he's one of the best in-game managers around. And he isn't afraid to switch things immediately for impact. And having Kante on, just turned the game on its head. Only he could have added a defensive player for an attacker in Mount. And, you know, then they went on to attack and score three goals and had so many chances to score more. I mean, that was just baffling. I, I did not see it coming, honestly. I was very nervous. And I couldn't wait for the second half to start to see what changes he made. And he was he made it immediately. And 
you know all 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 plaudits uh, to him and, and what a what a change what an inspired change um our defensive players scored and lukaku wasn't even needed that's testament to the fact that chelsea defense is something you need to invest in and i don't have them and i'm i'm looking i'm looking towards getting a few chelsea defenders for my own team um you absolutely cannot ignore marcus alonso who is now 5.8 and you know i think i think he's somebody you need to look at very closely rudiger looks like a sure sure starter in the team and defense and he would should be your next best bet after marcus alonso i don't want to write spurs off yet i don't want to write nuno and kane off yet but if the sad news legend your highest ever goal scorer rest in peace jimmy greaves and the fact that you were playing at home to your fiercest rivals can't motivate you read harry kane then what will so yeah i yeah i'm just glad that we won that game to be honest and uh, we won it very very well we turned the game on its head in the second half yeah yeah i agree with all the points and yeah it, it is a little uh, disheartening seeing what spurs is doing to themselves and yeah i mean you have to show up against chelsea i mean how can you not show up against chelsea and feel good about the way you play if you are a tottenham hotspur player i mean that was quite i remember i remember speaking to you before the game and and you were saying that you know what you have this little feeling that you know they've lost jimmy greaves it's a sad day for them and they might just turn up and that actually made me nervous and i was like you know what if they don't turn up now then they they are not going to have a good season and i think you know these are human beings right these players are still human beings so that if if you don't tap into the reservoirs of your emotions and you know bring it out from within you and you know be motivated for such a big game then i don't know what it's going to do it for you i mean it's just baffling the way the way they they turned shot up in the second half so that was our review of all the games from the game week which just went by and today the two of us we are going to discuss uh the merits of owning a full back or versus the merits of owning a center back and uh, i am a very strong supporter of the center back camp and we are and just to put it out there we are talking specifically about premium teams uh, we are talking about uh, the likes of chelsea man city uh liverpool the the three teams who united. are united i'll restrict it to these three teams because when i say premium teams i mean from a defensive point of view and these three teams have shown a lot of promise uh in terms of uh, having a very very sound defense um so just keeping these three teams in mind i would say that i am more on the center backs uh side of the story and uh, i know like if i start from liverpool then historically the way trent has performed the way robo uh, robertson has performed one might say that you know you can't you're already starting off on a weak foot but i would like to highlight that in all seasons barring the last season where vvd met with a horrible 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 accident uh, uh barring the last season in all seasons he has costed 0.5 less than robertson and he has scored 
in a range of say minus four to minus five points compared to Robertson for the entire season. So that's the kind of points which you are getting. So you're almost getting similar points as Robertson, and I'm deliberately. And Robertson will have his minutes clipped, right? Because uh, Simicast will get a lot more game time. So. Yes, so I'm referring to seasons where his minutes were not clipped. So even in those seasons, the PVD was uh, matching him for points. He was very close to them. I am deliberately not talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold because his outlets for goal are very high. And I think for the sake of this discussion, we should keep Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, up. Like He should not be part of this conversation because he's, he's an outlier, I think. Um, he's got what two two hundred point seasons. Last season, when he was miserable, when he had one of his worst seasons, he ended up scoring the highest or the second highest points amongst all defenders. He's he's an outlier. The best so, seven point five midfielders were midfielder the star yeah. on this board. Yes, and let's just keep it to that, right? Enough said. Yeah. yeah. And now, if I look at uh, Chelsea, also, it's like it's easier to find a settled, nailed centre-back than to find a settled, nailed uh, person who's playing in a, in a back-five system as a wing-back uh, or else a full-back. And the reason why I'm saying this is because when I say nailed, in the short term, we might feel Alonso is nailed, but uh, it's only been five games. For the remaining 33 games, I feel Rudiger is a, a more nailed player than Alonso moving forward. And in today's game, Chilwell has started midweek. So I think he's very soon he's going to come knocking at Alonso's door. So just for the assurance of minutes, center backs are good. Uh, center backs like Diaz also have a great bonus point outlet. And each time they have a clean sheet and they just about eke out a victory with 1 0. Uh, the the centre-backs have a very high possibility, especially in the City team, because the goalkeeper doesn't have to make those many saves. And the pass percentage adds up to the bonus points and the centre-backs end up having a lot of bonus point outlets also. So that's why I feel from the premium teams, uh, they are slightly cheaper and they have uh, a higher assurance of starts. And it might be... It might be wiser to, I won't say wiser, that's a value judgment, but it might be uh, it might be better in the long run to go with a centre-back than to go with an uh, attacking full-back or an attacking wing-back. Yeah, those are good points. And, you know, um, I just feel that these premium teams that you speak of, I want to completely, you know, bring your attention to the fact that besides Chelsea um, not having their fullbacks nailed down because we have Aspiliqueta and James uh, you know, eating into each other's minutes and once Chilwell is up to speed, I'm sure even he will uh, eat into Alonso's minutes at left back. Um, what I want to say is that there is no there is no notable fullback who is definitely going to start most of the games for Manchester City either. But the only reason, and it might be um, it might be not the best reason to own a fullback over a centre-back, 
even though their minutes are not as nailed on as you alluded to, is that they have the chance of, you know, let's not talk about Liverpool for a second. Alonso has that chance to get in the box. He is taking corners. He is taking free kicks. He is scoring from them, right? He's assisting from them. And if you look at Cancelo, Cancelo is really, really attacking as well. So And, and he, he keeps the ball a lot. He runs with the ball. He dribbles. He passes. He does... He also assists, doesn't score as much, but he's also, you know, in and about the box for Manchester City. And he and he is somebody who is uh, looking quite likely to keep his spot in uh, the Manchester City squad. So I just feel that they, if you keep a defender, you obviously keep them for clean sheets. And let's not forget that. But if for some freak, you know, uh, incident in the game, you your team who, who you have a defensive assets of concedes, you don't have any other way or any other outlet for your defenders or centre-backs to score unless they take like a header, which is very rare. But there are so many more opportunities for your full-backs to get forward and, you know, put in a cross or take a corner. Like, you do want to, you do call uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold an anomaly to this rule, but then how can you, like, justify not having him? Eventually, he is a defensive asset, right, in, in terms of FPL. And his numbers are absolutely staggering. Um, Simikas is doing well but there was a point in time when we did not know um, how many minutes Robertson would not get this season that I was telling you I might just double up on Liverpool's fullbacks because they are just so attacking they are just so attacking and uh, look at Manchester City do you not feel the need to have a Kyle Walker because he can just pop up with a goal at any minute he is still one of the fastest footballers in the Premier League. So, I just feel that, you know, you have that extra bit going into the game. Obviously, the clean sheet benefits all, all four or five defenders. But what the fullbacks give you that your centre-backs might not, there's attacking returns. So, yeah, that's my case for having fullbacks over centre-backs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about enjoying watching the games also. And uh, that's what... A f- like even after conceding a goal, if you have a attack-minded uh, fullback or a wingback, the game is still a lot of fun to watch. Uh, whereas if you have uh, a player who is, let let's say if you have a Cody equivalent, then you know that you're not going to get any points anywhere, and uh, it it does take the joy of, out of the game for sure. So yeah, I think that's that's a wrap for today. Yep, we had a lot of fun. Thank you for joining in and tuning in and listening to us, ladies and gents. Uh, That's it from us. Um, Please subscribe to our pod, share our episodes with your friends and loved ones and do not forget your greens. Bye.